Welcome once again to the Restoring Virtue podcast. I'm your host, Emily. I hope you've been feeling more love and seeing more love in your life. In this fourth episode titled, I Have a Purpose, we'll dispel the longtime adage that everything happens for a reason and replace it with the more proactive idea that purpose starts with and is created by you. So does everything happen for a reason? The short answer is yes. From an eternal perspective, you could say that with God at the helm and the plan of happiness in place, that yes, there is a reason we go through physical and emotional pain, weakness, death, and sorrow. However, God designed the plan, but he is not the author of opposition to the plan. The blanket statement, quote, everything happens for a reason, would only work if all trials came directly from God, but they don't. God is not the only influence in the universe. We see in the scriptures that God does sometimes see fit to chasten his children. The fact that agency was built into the plan means that some opposition comes by way of other people's choices, and some by our own. Other opposition is due to physical limitations, such as chronic disease or mental illness, some by accident because we live in mortality, and then there is the matter of evil. To us who have experienced sexual trauma, the thought that we were abused for a reason can make us, well, it makes me feel pretty small. We may wonder why, if there even is a God, did he not protect us or stop the abuse? Abuse never happens for a reason, except that the perpetrator chose to be selfish. When a difficult life event takes place, the first and most common question asked is why? The idea that we were the victim of an unsensible or random act can be unsettling, and while pain may be a needed function to alert us to injury, the idea that our discomfort might be in vain is distressing. The human brain naturally seeks out patterns and order. Attaching a reason to random acts and painful experiences can ease the mind. The idiom that we are, quote, pulled in different directions, gives a visual for how sickness within families, bad weather, changing hormones, challenges at work, difficulties in relationship, pressures during the holidays, and more can make our lives feel out of order. Sexual trauma is chaotic, the definition of which is complete disorder. Our physical body responds to sexual touch while our minds fill with shame, A place that was safe, such as home, school, or church, is suddenly scary. A close or other trusted relationship turns threatening or even violent. Memories become clouded, love is distorted, autonomy is lost. Let's go back again to the beginning of the plan of happiness. Some believe God created the world out of nothing. This belief is called creation ex nihilo, a Latin word meaning from nothing. However, before God created the earth, he spoke these words found in the book of Abraham, chapter 3, verse 24. We will go down, for there is space there, and we will take of these materials, and we will make an earth. From this scripture, we learn that God worked with existing materials during his creative process. We might call him God the organizer rather than the creator. He took, quote, these materials— into his hands, he chose and gave each atom, molecule, and cell a purpose, 
and then, in an orderly manner, line upon line, organized them into the incredible world we see now. Apostle Elder Bruce R. McConkie said, The creation is an organized venture, and the earth is created from matter that already exists. Truly, the elements are eternal, and to create is to organize. First, God divided the light from the darkness. He then arranged the heavens and earth, divided the land and water, created grass, flowers, trees, fruits, and herbs. Next, God formed the sun, moon, and the stars, then designed fish and birds. Finally, the animals, and most important, God created man. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, tells us that he created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Consider these tools, an easel, brushes in every shape and size, an array of paint colors, jars, paper, pencils, a palette, a drop cloth, a stool, aprons, shelves and drawers, and more. Can you visualize an art room now? Each item in this room has the ability to perform a specific function, each item with potential purpose. However, these items cannot yet fulfill that purpose because there is something missing in this room, the artist. The items in this room will only be able to fulfill their purpose when the artist takes them in his or her hand and step by step makes a sequence of intentional choices to create their masterpiece. Consecration is not a commonly used word. It's referenced on occasion to the divine law of community living. However, the word consecration has much more significance in our day-to-day -day lives than you may realize. When an individual consecrates something, an object, substance, action, or event, they dedicate it to a certain purpose. Apostle Elder D. Todd Christofferson defined it for us. He said, To consecrate is to set apart or dedicate something as devoted to holy purposes. If you're married, you may have danced to a certain love song at your wedding or wear a diamond ring. A souvenir might remind you of your favorite vacation. Maybe you have a special family photo or quote framed and hanging on your wall at home. When you pay tithes and offerings, you feel good knowing your donation will go to someone in need. An heirloom might connect you to a deceased loved one. I have a silver necklace with a handcrafted orchid pendant that my husband gave me as a gift. It represents the healing process that took place in my life. These things are, quote, dedicated to a certain purpose. Their purpose could be to signify a special event or to convey love or to connect with a family member, or to remember joyful times. Similar meaning is found throughout the gospel of Jesus Christ. The sick and afflicted are anointed with oil. Bread and water are passed in remembrance of the body and blood of Jesus Christ, the atonement he made. A baptism is performed by immersion. These elements, the bread, water, and anointing oil, are used to, quote, set apart an event for a significant purpose. There is no special value in these objects alone. The necklace I wear does not carry any actual healing power, and it's not the baptismal water that does the cleansing. It is we who place the value upon these things. 
If the tools in the art room could represent life events and we the artist, those events would have the ability to shape us. They would have potential purpose. However, as the artist, it is our choice to accept these tools as part of our creative process. When a difficult life event takes place, instead of asking, what is the reason, perhaps we should ask, what do I do now? First and most obvious is that we learn something about the world and about ourselves. Second, we develop compassion and sensitivity to others who have gone through a similar difficult event. Third, we broaden our perspective and look for greater purpose. Like the necklace and the bread, water, and anointing oil, there is no special value in the event. It becomes significant only after something is gained from that difficult event and you have accepted it as part of your life experience. Therefore, the source of purpose is characteristic in us and not the life events. Creation is using the tools we've been given or the chaos of life events that surround us and overwhelm us and consecrating each heartache, every disappointment, and all obstacles for a set-apart or dedicated purpose, and then, in an orderly manner, making a sequence of choices with a masterpiece in mind of who we want to become. I love this beautiful imagery of us as artists. Our past prophet, President David O. McKay, said, Sculptors of life are we with our uncarved souls before us. Ultimate consecration is the choice to dedicate oneself to God, might, mind, and strength. This consecration can take place in a single moment by turning your life over to God, or over many moments by making choices that bring you closer to God. As we align our will with God's, align meaning to put in order, we will be putting our lives in order with God as the priority. By choosing to make God a priority, your power, your agency, is then consecrated, dedicated, or set apart for a holy purpose, which is the reason why agency is our intrinsic right, so that we, by our own will, may accept the role of being a tool in his eternal masterpiece. There is a second part to Elder Christofferson's thought on consecration. True success in this life comes in consecrating our lives, that is, our time and choices, to God's purposes. Consider these statements. The purpose of pain is to turn to God. The purpose of agency is to choose God. The purpose of creation is to glorify God. In summary, we may never know in this life why some things happen. However, from the chaos, we can learn and develop and broaden our perspective. Life becomes a sequence of consecrated choices done in order with a purpose in mind. Putting life in order requires making a priority of the things that are most important. This formula is the formula for creation. I shared in my introduction that the pursuit of creativity has brought me much joy. I've completed countless projects throughout my life. I've laid flooring, hung trim, and painted a house. I've hand-quilted blankets. I raked and sewed my own lawn. I taught myself how to make macarons and started a business. I was a hairdresser for 20 years. I picked up watercolor and make my own greeting cards. 
I've participated in and organized countless musical numbers and programs. I wrote a book. I'm proud of myself for what I've done. But my greatest accomplishments by far and above all are threefold. Marrying my husband, giving birth to my children, and fulfilling my personal ministry to give hope to the hopeless. These events have been my greatest source of happiness, knowing that I was created for a reason and that I have a purpose in God's plan. My life begs the question, what came first? Was I sexually abused because I had a purpose to fulfill and that is the reason you are hearing my voice right now? Or was the sexual abuse a random and selfish act by another and it was only after the chaos that I found a purpose? Who knows? My life is actually pretty messy. But I keep things of purpose around me to remind me of my priorities. My collection of orchids. People who love me keep bringing them to me. Sketches of the temple that I hand-drew myself. A hope chest that my grandfather built for me in his workshop. Favorite books on my bookshelf, a watercolor painting of Christ walking on water illustrated by my daughter. These belongings and more tell a story of the consecrated life that I try to live. I moved into a new house in 2021. For the first time ever, I had room for a baby grand piano. I hesitantly asked my mom if I could have hers. It's the piano that was in my home growing up and the one I learned to play on. Afterwards, I felt a little bad because it was a big ask, but my mom said yes, and so I had the black baby grand piano shipped from Southern California all the way to Alaska. It was delivered to the front entry room of my house that fall. After it was set up, I touched the top of the keys and felt a swell of gratitude for my parents, who not only gave me this piano and piano lessons as a child, but set the stage for my life. That piano represents every good thing that has come to me, and those good things were because of the family I was born into, the family I was abused in. No matter what has gone wrong, that family is where I was given a chance to learn about God. The reason I was abused doesn't matter anymore. I don't know, and I don't care. There's a pencil drawing that I love, it has the outline of two characters. The first character is holding a jar with a label on it that says, happiness. The other character is looking at the jar with a frown on its face and says in a bubble quote, where did you find that? I've been searching for it everywhere. The first character responds in their own bubble quote, I created it myself. I love the drawing because of the message behind it that some people spend their whole lives searching for happiness, never realizing it is within their own power or agency to create. Perhaps that's one of the reasons the plan is called the plan of happiness, because we are here to learn how to accept the chaos in this world and by our own power to choose, create a happy life. Consider you are creating this very moment. You listen here with me, using past trauma as a tool to learn, to develop compassion, broaden your perspective, and search for greater purpose. What once was chaos is consecrated thoughts, words, and actions that creates a healing environment for you. However, making something of ourselves is not as clearly laid out as our artist's room. 
if we are the artist and life events are tools, we may be clumsily smearing paint, dropping brushes, wondering what is this tool for and how did it get here? We might feel like we're just making a big mess of things, but we're just a work in progress, right? My son jokingly told me one time that he was my experiment child because he's my firstborn. I responded, my son, my whole life is an experiment. Every moment I have is my first moment in this moment. Finally, I hope I'm part of the reason you're still listening. I know that you're the reason I'm doing this. 